Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 34 of the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is called Feminist. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Conry. Hey, Sandy. Hello, Jenny. Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. And boy, do we have an episode for you today. So this is a loaded term, feminist or feminism. And we want to give you some context about why we chose to have a podcast on this topic. So Sandy, this was 100% your idea. Why don't you go ahead and tell us why we're going to talk about feminism today? Was it really 100% my idea? It was 100% your idea. Okay, I didn't actually realize that. I thought this was sort of a joint effort. We just finished going through feminist business school, which was an enormous eye-opener for me and for you. I mean, you know much more about this topic than I do. It just sort of awoken all these new thoughts and ideas about being women in this space as leaders, as business owners, and how we operate in the world. And I thought this needs to, we are no way experts in the world of feminist and the feminist voice. However, I think this is worth starting conversation with our community. So that's why apparently I suggested it. You did suggest it. (laughs) I suggested part two of this episode, which is coming next week, Yeah, which is all about women in tech, which is much easier for me to talk about than this. But this is an important place to start, I think. So I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, I think it is. Let me start by defining feminism. Um, This is a definition that we learned in Feminist Business School, and it's written by Bell Hooks. And it is the movement to end sexism, sexist exploitation, and oppression. And I think most women would say, yes, I'm a feminist. But I think most women in my world, anyway, that I know, would identify feminism with equality, equal pay, you know, equal work around the home. And it probably would start there. But I've learned that it's much more of a sociopolitical agenda. And that I don't think I fully embrace the definition. I want to embody that a lot more going forward in in my work and in my life. Good. I think (laughs) that's powerful. Yeah. 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 I think that is good. The other thing that we learned here is the, well, I learned, as I know you know about this already, but is the patriarchy. And I just, again, I heard the word, but I just didn't appreciate how prevalent it is in our society. And that how the patriarchy is not just driven by men, but also by women who don't necessarily see what it has done to them as we've grown up as little girls and told how to act or what we can say, what we can't say, what's right and what's not right, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like I think looking back, I would have said I had a fine childhood. And then looking back after reading all this stuff about the patriarchy, I'm like, oh, yeah, I see the influence now. And that is the work of Laura Close, right? That is what she does with this oppressed sexism that we've all experienced, whether we acknowledge it or not. So anyway, it's been a couple months of a lot of learning and a lot of aha moments. And I just, I do feel like awakened is the word. Yeah, you know, I remember being a math rock star until ninth grade. Because what did someone say to you? Girls are not good at math. I mean, that's what it was. Yeah. 
Uh, so first of all, I was in every club. In fact, I was president of every club. And if the club didn't exist, I started the club. And so I was in some kind of math club. I was in multiple math clubs. But I was in a math club where I was one of like two girls in a math club of like a sea of boys. One of my very best friends has gone on to get her PhD. She went on to Stanford to get a PhD in math. So like she didn't get the patriarchy didn't like dissuade her. But I know from just going through all of the years of schooling as her one of her best friends, the impact it, it had on her to be sort of the lone female in a community of men. Anyway, because I just can think about all of my friends and all sort of all of the women in my life. And I can I can see those moments where being a female, like, like the patriarchy sort of brought them down in one way or another. And I think we all can recognize those if we look for them. <laughs> I think my first sort of moment when I, I think I was probably in grade like grade one or two or three, like elementary school, really, really young. And my mom came home and my parents had recently separated. Like I'm not sure about the timing, but my parents were apart. And my mom worked full time and raised two kids and she was a nurse and she needed to buy a new car. And she went to the bank and uh, to get a car loan and they demanded they would not give her the money, even though she had the income, you know, there was no problem that way, but they demanded a signature from my father. And she, I remember when she stormed in and the anger, and that was my first sort of glimpse of the patriarchy, I think, like, you woman cannot buy a car on your own terms. Like, no, you must have the father of the family be involved. And she went to the next bank, and she went until she found a bank that would just give it to her based on her income, and she did find one, Bank of Montreal, thank you. And she never has left, and she always talks about them in that way, that they were, like, they they gave her money because she was a person, a human being who was trying to get a loan and did have the income to afford that loan, period, right? So that was my first sort of memory of, of any of this. I'm like, what? And, and, and her just angry, so, so angry. Yeah. Anyway, so it's been, it's been really interesting to kind of look back at, at my life and childhood and sort of observe what's happened and the influences there. But I think we really wanted to focus on this whole idea of feminism in business and what we learned in feminist business school. So do you want to talk a little bit about where, how we found that? Yeah. So I discovered Jennifer Armbrust, who is the teacher of feminist business school. I discovered her through, I think it was a Medium article. It was the Zebra article. It was the Zebra article. Yeah. Looking at startups, like the way that women and sort of non-traditional startups function differently than sort of the unicorn model of startups, which we'll talk about more next week. And uh, there was a link of resources for sort of like these really interesting new ideas happening around women in technology. And one of them was linking back to Jennifer's work as inspiration. And I stumbled across, I, you know, when you find something online in your internet wormhole that just makes you so happy and you read every page on the internet, like through five pages of Google about this person. So I discovered her and watched a Creative Mornings talk that I think she gave in Portland a few years ago that she was asked to present on this concept of, of a feminist business model. And that was so eye-opening for me. It, it like touched my heart in a way that nothing I'd seen about business had touched my heart ever. Mm -hmm. Even as a business owner, and even as someone who proudly has started this company, I felt a still like a twinge of discomfort around the idea of business. There's something that didn't sit well with me, which we'll get into later. And, um, and then I discovered that there are these new models around business that are actually meaningful and that resonated with me in such a powerful way. So she has 
like 10 principles around a feminist business model and around her theory. And we would love to send you to her site to learn more about her principles that she's come up with and, and definitely highly recommend that you look at this talk, which is the hustle for today. We'll talk about it more at the end. Just dive into her work if this is a topic that's of interest for you because her work is really profound. I just had the same reaction. I remember when you slacked messaged me like, these are our people. Remember the, what you even said? Yeah. And looking at her work, it was like, who is this person? And then when that when she opened mm -hmm. Feminist Business School, like we were first to jump in there because it was so fascinating. And I think there's been so many times where we've struggled with situations or struggled with people that we're dealing with because we were trying to be somebody or some quality that we're not. You know, we think we have to act a certain way because the, the current model of business is hyper, hyper, hyper masculine. And we don't we don't question that. We don't doubt it. That business is this, right? And Jennifer Armbrust is questioning it yeah. and going, it's not that. It doesn't have to be only that. There's a whole other model, a whole other approach, a whole other way of thinking about how our economy can run. That's why I love it so much. I was trying to think about my own relationship to feminism and business and life. And I realized that like the part of me that started this company, I have had to sort of channel the most like power hungry masculine parts of myself, even though like in so many ways compared to so many other startups, we are not that. There's still a tremendous amount of masculine energy that's like push, go for it, work harder, never take a day off, never take a night off, never take a weekend off. Like even though we say we don't like this whole like crush it mentality because we don't like we don't, we actually don't like it. There's still like I think this pull inside of me for the last three years that has been like, if I stop, if I slow down, if I pause at all and reflect, like this thing is going down and it's up to me to sort of like physically force it and will it into existence. And that has gone against who I am as a human being, as a thinker, as a woman, as a mother, as a member of my community, as a friend, like as a sister. And I, th I think it just, it almost brings me to tears to think about the extent to which I sort of alienated part of myself from the whole. Well, when I first met you, Jenny, we were both in this online course and we were operating independently. It was owned and run by two males. And um, so many times there was things that I came across going, hmm, that is, that's not right. And I would do it my own way or I do it in my own words. But I never questioned how out of balance it was or how, you know, it's like that, that's not, so, so I guess when we talk about like we're uncomfortable with feminism and talking about it because it isn't our sole body of work, I think about like all the men uh, that I've sat at board meetings with or all the times it's only been me at the table in my previous profession, it's all males. And I just like get down and do the work, be equal and do a good job and, and sort of ignore gender. But I, I don't know, like it's made me think like, did I always have to try harder and prove myself? It's not been a focal point for me, but I can see looking back now that it actually was, but I just wasn't identifying it as such. Yeah, everyone has to do their own introspection on it. But I think about just since starting the company, like be in my previous life, like I, I was a lawyer, right? I was in law school. And then, I mean, I was teaching in law school before I even graduated because of the body of work that I was in. So I was teaching my peers as like a very, like a young woman, their age, or in, in some cases younger than them, teaching them. 
there was no part of me that thought to try to do it any other way than who I authentically was. Like, does that make sense? Like, I realize like how much I've changed since I became a business owner that like I was soft spoken and I really believed in what I was doing, but I was I was 100 percent myself standing in, in like a mock courtroom teaching students about the law. Like I could do that 100 percent as myself. I probably couldn't do it now, to be honest. Like I'm, I've, I've changed so much because I have a company and because of what I've been through in the last three years, which is sad. I want to get back to that person. I think about who I am in this company and what I felt like I had to do in order to make it. And I don't know, maybe it's different for you, Sandy, but I, I, I don't think so. Like, I think we both push so hard and we, we push against sort of like that human part of ourselves so often to, to try to find success. And we don't always frame it as success or ambition because I think it's deeper than that. I think we honestly want to serve our community well and our clients well. So we will go to great extents to do that. But I just feel like there's something that has crept in since entering the business world, like this unwelcome presence that is, is like deeply troubling to me. And I think, it's, I think it's like the patriarchy. I mean, I think it's my own adoption of hyper-masculine traits in my personality that has alienated me from the other parts of myself and in a really, really big way. And, and I think this happens to a lot of women who go mm-hmm. into, into any sort of business or like political life or, you know, any, any sort of role in society that has a power, a lot of power attached to it for one reason or another. I think that it's a survival instinct. And I think that it is what we feel like we need to do to find success. Yeah, I think there's been a shift for me moving into the technology sector. And because I, when I look back at my previous job, I also felt like I was able to do it as myself. Mm. I definitely had to really bring forward that leader archetype. I had to, I had to be that person, which I was comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it was um, dealing with people and customers and patients. That was very much who I am. But in this space... Like there's, it's it fast. I was thinking too, Jenny, how many times we've come across a situation or a problem or a whatever happens. And, and I, I can hear us both saying like, what would a man do right now? Like we're struggling yeah, we with- we do. We say that a lot. And I don't know what that means. Like, is that yeah. because that's the only way we're going to get action is if we like take some masculine quality and be strong and forceful and, you know, I don't know. Like, is that why we do that? or Or are we- too gentle and too soft, like too, you know, too feminine. I think we're afraid that we're too feminine. I, I mean, I, to me, like, I know why I say that is I think Sandy and I are like crying about something <laughs> and we need to fix it. And so what, who do we need to channel or what do we need to channel to, to like get out of this emotional state. I mean, it's not always crying. That's like a very extreme example. No. But I mean, you and I are like despondent <laughs> about something or stra- like really bothered. And we get like, we're sort of dangerous for each other in a way because we like cycle into a sea of despair rather quickly. <laughs> and then one of us will be like, all right, we're going to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. I mean, not literally, but like that's essentially what happens. And the other one sort of like okay. drags the other one along until they're till they're like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to handle it. And I, I think that, you know, to some extent that helps, right? Like that's how we get stuff done. But I just wonder if there's another way. 
right? Like, is, mm-hmm. is there not another way to do this? This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. And I think that's what Jennifer's point is, is that she's like saying, we are, we have defined business and success in business by the male traits, masculine traits. And there is a flip side to that, that we need to sort of bring things back into balance. And we need to talk about that and be aware of that. And that's why we're urging all of you to go to her website to look at her feminine economy versus the masculine economy and how she describes that. And it's so fascinating. And it's like, why can't I be I mean, you you don't want to be extreme one way or the other, right? Like you don't want to be all feminine or all masculine. There's some kind of balance in there, Mm -hmm. right? Do you you agree with that? Yeah, it's just the the issue is that that we're so skewed to one side that it's hard to tell Mm -hmm. where where the balance is because I think that any hint of sort of femininity in business is seen as an extreme. It's, It's almost unfathomable to think about having and running a business that that is based on some feminist principles. You know, we're not being very clear right now about what those are, but they're things like building something that's sustainable and building something that like is caring for the people that it's being made for. And I don't want to co-opt Jennifer's work by like sort of talking about it all here. I want you to go to her site to read about it because out of deep respect for her. My own sense is that growth-driven market capitalism is incompatible with sort of human life and and sort of living a good, safe life and the health of the planet and the health of the people on the planet. In fact, like I had a whole body of work prior in my prior life on, on this topic. I was really interested in the ways that capitalism and climate change, for example, interacted. And is it even possible to live in a sustainable way on the planet when you're operating in an economic model, like a neoliberal model of capitalism? My conclusion after like much graduate work was, was that like, no, that's actually not possible, that we have to change our entire economic system in order to make living on the planet sustainable and inhabitable for more than the next couple of generations. That's my relationship to feminism. I'll just sort of like, you know, pull back for a second and say like my entire relationship until now, until the last couple of months with feminism has been through ecofeminism, which is just this idea that says that there's a connection between the domination of nature and the exploitation of women. And I fundamentally believe that. So that was my entry point. And it basically is pinpointing that the economic systems in place, like this global capitalism, this sort of amassing of power among you know, a handful of really large companies and the amassing of power among a small group of individuals is dangerous for both the environment and for women because it's essentially the same thing. So I relate to it that way. Um, but, but I did not see myself until recently in that model. Like I did not my, see myself even in a small, small way as promoting that sort of order. And I, I think the overall mission of our company is very feminist based. I think that a lot of the the ways that we run the company, the core values that we have as a company are feminist. But I think my own way of being a CEO, the way that I treat myself through this process of building a business has been masculine, has been deviating from the worldview that I think is the the right one and the 
the safe one and the healthy one. Healthy is keyword there. It's the first principle that Jennifer teaches is that you have a body. And I remember like that was the first thing that stood out to me because yeah. you know you're, you're going to go read about this new sort of business idea and the first words like you have a body first blush it seems so disconnected but then it was like I think that's I started crying like my business is connected to my body and my body is connected to my business and so I, it was just sort of this profound like you were expecting some kind of I don't know economic capitalistic some kind of principle in those terms, but it's like, you have a body? She had me right there, right? Like that one principle is that you need to take care of yourself and you need to check in. And I think she does a lot of lying on the ground and this sort of thinking and deciding and creating. So that was one of my biggest takeaways was like, my body's important. That was also my biggest takeaway. Yeah. I, I think to the extent to which you and I both neglect ourselves is very apparent to me. There's so often, you know, neither of us will eat lunch and we'll both be like, oh, I have a spit of peanut butter and, a, and like my fifth cup of coffee for the day, right? Because we've got to like, yeah, we've got to power through this. We've got to, yeah, we got to get through it. We, there, there's like, there are bugs that need to be fixed. The developers need to be worked with. There are clients that need to be answered to. There are Facebook lives to do. There are whatever. There's email copy to write. Like, mm -hmm. we've got to get through it. We're in it. And it, the, the problem, right, is that it's a marathon and that it never ends for years and years and years. Yeah. And the cost at the end of the day is your health. And I, I think so many, maybe this is absurd for our, our, our community to hear us say this. Yeah, I think I was thinking that. Like it's all of you who are in our community are basically like focused on health and well-being and balance. And that's the irony of it, right? Like, that's why like a big part of why I wanted to build this company is is in this sector in this industry was to get away from the apocalyptic work I was doing to sort of be able to be a better parent to my little girl and to be able to be a better caretaker of myself and yet I somehow found a way to create space between like the actual community I deeply wanted to be working with and my own ability to integrate into that community. Like, what is that? Why did that happen? You know, and I, I think for you and I, it's exactly the same thing, right? Like all we want to do is like eat up all of the work that our clients do all day. And yet what we're doing are like fixing bugs <laughs> in software and staying up all night. And wow, you know, I think this is probably going to be eye-opening for some of our listeners to know, like we're the opposite of that. We used to be like you, and now look at us, you know, and I think so now the realization and the process has, has begun for us. So we're transitioning, you know, into having more balance in our lives and being more respectful of ourselves. But man, that took like, it took a while and it took some big realizations for us to see that, that that's what we've become. Yeah. It took principle one, four words. You have a body for me to like, just get struck by, oh, what have I been doing? So yeah, yeah, her work is really, really profound. And I'm so glad that you have had found her through that, uh, you know, rabbit hole that you went down. So do you want to just move into Joy and Hustle? And we'll, um, yeah, let's do it. We'll continue this conversation about uh, women in tech, which is sort of the next phase for um, next week's conversation. Yeah, that's another that's going to be a provocative episode. Yeah, we have lots of stories on that one. 
So the joy this week is another podcast who we both love that, again, you introduced me to called Call Your Girlfriend with Anamatu Sue and Anne Friedman. And I don't even know where to begin to describe these ladies. <laughs> you just have to listen to it. That's it. Just good. Like, we shouldn't even say anything else. Just go listen to it. I mean, a lot of people know about Call Your Girlfriend. So if you do, like, you're in on it. And I don't listen to every episode, but it's like a happiness for me to listen to that podcast. I just want to say for the non-Americans, the Canadians and, and others, that this is heavily um, American politics. But given the current political state in the United States, it's fascinating. I've learned so much. I understand things so much better. And they are hardcore feminists and funny, funny, funny. And I just adore them. And I am totally stalk both of them online today. I spent so much time on Anne Friedman's site. Do you know she has a $5 membership per year to join her newsletter? No, that's smart. Yeah, $5 a year. Yeah, you can have a free version, but there's also, a f and then I'm like, why would I pay for a newsletter? And then it's $5. I'm like, I'll pay you that because you're yeah. so cool and you're doing great work and I'll pay you $5 for the year. Yeah, she's so cool. And she and she like hand draws pie, pie charts for you. I love her. Yeah, so they, the way they describe their podcast is we're highbrow and lowbrow, unapologetically feminist and not afraid to real talk each other about everything from menstrual cycles to workplace dramas. So that is... It's great. That's what it is. They're best friends and they say it's the podcast for long distance besties everywhere. So they're so fabulous. Yeah, they're great. They're just great. Okay. And the hustle, Jenny? The hustle is Jennifer Armbrust's work. And if you go to feminineeconomy.com, you can see references to basically everything we've been talking about in today's podcast. And if you scroll down a little bit on that page, you'll see a player embedded for that Creative Mornings video that I told you all about in this episode, which is how I first discovered Jennifer's work. So I highly encourage you to take a few minutes and watch her give her public talk on the feminist economy. So yeah. Yeah. I just want everyone else to watch that and then just scroll down a little bit and look at her feminine versus masculine economy. Like the, just like, let it sink in. It's just a little graphic. Just look graphic. Yeah, just, just have take a look, look at, at it. Because it. it's just, to me, it was just absolutely profound. It's very simple, but it was profound. So I would love to hear what you guys think. If this resonates at all, if it affects you at all, I would love to hear. Please let us know what you think about this. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample. Sample.